Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted changemaker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hey, welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem. We are so excited today to chat with Lacey Boggs. Lacey is a content strategist, author of the best-selling Kindle ebook, make a killing with content and the director of the content direction agency. She helps small business owners with the strategy for content between launches that helps businesses grow, nurture, and prime their audience to say hell yes before they ever see an offer. Thank you so much for being here, Lacey. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah, always, really. I, yeah, I'm. I'll, apparently, well, I'll talk. <laughs> jinx, because we're yeah. probably both going to say I'm really excited. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't like. I never really got into content marketing, so I'm really stoked for this conversation to sort of dig deep into it. I like totally just went straight to um, conversion copywriting, and I really feel um at a loss for how to use it well and I was just um listening to a live that you did I think uh, recently and yeah so anyway I'm not going to go into it but I'm just so excited to hear about how to use content to like (sighs) nurture people you know yeah yeah it's a it's kind of a different beast than conversion copywriting which is more about like this is I mean, static is not quite the right word, but it's like, this is the the page that people are going to land on and we can A-B test it and we can figure out if this button is going to convert, right? And content is a lot more like, oh, you did that post? That's old news because everything moves so fast. And, you know, we have a lot, it's a, it's a different feeling, it's a different vibe and it's a different way of nurturing for sure. I love it. Um, I, th- I think we'll ask you to define it, but first we always start with the same, or we try to start with the same question. So maybe I'm going to try and do it, which is, do you identify with any of the characteristics, characteristics of astrology, human design, Enneagram, DISC, Myers-Briggs, etc.? And if so, do you want to like boom, throw it out there for our audience to hear all about you? Oh my gosh. Sure. Sure. I I'm kind of a personality test junkie. So I know a lot of my, I know a lot of them. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm a Pisces Taurus rising. Um, so I'm very, you know, emotional and love pretty things. (laughs) What else? Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. So I'm definitely introverted and 
like a, a little bit of a weirdo and that's okay. Um, my Enneagram is a four again, a little bit of a weirdo. In fact, the first time I took the Enneagram test and it told me I was a four and I read what that meant. I made a post that was like, I feel attacked by this. And everybody was like, that is such a four reaction. <laughs> okay. So can we go into four a little bit more? Cause yeah, I'll please. admit, I don't really know anyone who, feels like, rare. who is a four. Four feels rare. Yeah. 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 But like, I'm all for weird and the weirder, the better. So mm-hmm. let's dig in and we, we shall not attack you at all. For no. Your <laughs> no, I think what it was, it said something about like fours are very dramatic oh. and very, and so like, that was why people were laughing. We're like, that's a very four response. Nice. <laughs> I feel attacked. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of, I don't know very much about it, but fours are creative, I think, and a little bit dramatic and a little bit out there. Um, INFJs are rare too, I am told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rarest personality. And human design, I'm a generator, I think. Oh, nice. Me yeah. too. And I feel attacked by it. <laughs> you feel attacked <laughs> by that one? Yeah. I feel attacked by my human design too. Mine's a projector, <laughs> which is very at odds with being a three on the Enneagram. Mm. And I saw this meme yesterday that was like, I don't know which three needs to hear this, but... You didn't fail because you took a nap. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, Lacey. And how does this knowledge of yourself and how you operate and who you are, how has that impacted how you run your business? It's kind of interesting. I can think of a couple of good examples. Um, So my, I had a DOO for about 18 months and she was amazing. And she had me take the, oh shoot, I'm not going to remember. What's the one that has you be a quick start or not? Oh, Colby. Colby. And I am a high quick start. (laughs) And, um, you know, surprise, surprise, an entrepreneur is a high quick start. But it actually really helped me understand that, like, oh, that's why I get these crazy ideas and, like, create a new product in a weekend. And then she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what's happening? (laughs) And then the other one that really surprised me was I I know almost nothing about human design except having taken the test and kind of saw it. And then my coach asked me what my human design was. And I told her and she's like, oh, as a generator, when you do your own social media, you need to be like talking about the exciting things that are happening with your clients. And that's what will get people to really react to. And she it was a hundred percent spot on. Like as soon as huh. I started being like, oh, I did this VIP day today and it was so great. And we did this, that, and the other, like people just engaged like crazy. So to me, like one cool thing about generators that I don't feel attacked by is the idea that like when we're passionate about things, it gives us tons of energy. And like that, that's what brings me into the attacked by, because then I'm like, I'm not working 12 hours just because I have lots of energy. So do you think that that's maybe why is like, because you're actually just like so stoked and excited about this Probably. Yeah. Yeah, And it, it like comes across. And so people are excited to engage with it. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Um, So maybe I'm going to put you on the spot, but maybe not because it's your business, but can you like define content marketing and tell me what it is and maybe what it isn't? Sure. So I define content marketing as anywhere you are having a conversation with your potential clients Mm. with the intention of helping to lead them to a sale. And so I have that second part on there because like, if you're just posting cat pictures on your Instagram, like we all love our cat pictures and 
like there's nothing there that's moving them toward a sale necessarily, unless you're selling cat products or something. Sure. So <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily, that's good for engagement, but I wouldn't necessarily call that content marketing. And so okay. the marketing part is like, we're having these conversations, we're building relationships with the intention of moving people toward a sale. Right. Okay. I love it. And that makes me think about something I've been thinking about lately because I identify as a conversion optimizer, but or conversion copywriter, but we write quizzes, which are totally content, like top of funnel content, right? But that's moving people towards the sale. And it's pretty rare for us to recommend to clients that they even like put anything for sale in in their quiz, right? It's really more about that, that nurturing thing. So yeah, I love it. And I love, I love the idea of like, it's marketing. So it's not just cat photos. Although I mean, there's some (laughs) cat memes out there and we've been thinking about like memes as content recently. Oh, hundred percent. That could be really fun. I do meme Fridays on my social. Yeah. Um, So almost every Friday I share memes and they are fantastic for engagement. They don't have any kind of call to action. And really I'm doing it to like jig the algorithm so that more people will see my stuff. But I also think it's part of my brand. It's a nice extension of who I am and what I do. So yeah, I'm all for memes when it makes sense for your brand. I could see that. I feel like I'm not really like a brand or like trying to do anything with my Instagram, but it is a mm-hmm. business account. And I posted this meme about like mushrooms and trees as like an actual post on my Instagram. And when I looked at the insights, I had over a thousand views. I probably have like 200 followers or something. There were like 12 shares, mm-hmm. eight saves, and like 700 people that saw that post uh, were outside of my followers. And I was like, whoa, that's so strange. Right. It's It's so magical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think the magical thing is for me, similar to like how you posting about like what you're doing with your clients. Like I posted that because I was like, LOL, this is exactly me. I think it's hilarious. And then I got like so much engagement on it. And I'm like basically on Instagram just to like, I don't know, try not to be on Instagram. Um, (laughs) Right. But it was neat for me to see that, that it does work like it. And, and yeah. Yeah. And it is absolutely does memes like memes and in crowding too. Right. Like I, I was talking about that with a friend last night, like he shared a meme and I was like, Oh, I can understand more about you and the circles that you travel in Mm -hmm. because of this meme now, because it like speaks to you. Whereas my memes are like way off from the other side of the world. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I would say, if you want to use memes, go ahead and brand them, Uh, put, put your, put your logo or your website or whatever around the image. Yeah. uh, Because that way, when it gets shared, it still comes back to you. Like you're not claiming the meme necessarily, right. but you're just saying that you shared it. Um, I think that's, I think that's a smart way to go. Smart. Totally. That's a good idea. Yeah. I just bought a book from this Instagram words. Is it words are vibrations? Is I forget. Yeah. IG? And he, yeah, he created this little ebook on how to create your own memes because mm-hmm. Personally, I love memes, but I never thought of actually creating them, mm-hmm. especially as a content marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Yes. So getting into that headspace and we've been experimenting a little with our graphic designer and nice fun. Like yeah. it's so fun. And yeah. I often take like a classic meme format 
and then create the words that go with it that have to do with marketing, like something to do with marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of fun too. Um, people love those. I, uh, is, um, which generation are you in? I was about to ask how old you were and I shall not. That's loud. That's okay. Which, which generation? I am an elder millennial. I, I am as well. So I'm also an elder millennial. And, um, one of my dear friends is staying with me and she's Gen Z and she's like trying to like teach me a bit about like memes and memetics. And it's like crazy to me, like how far Gen Z goes down the hole and how something that started like over here and meant something probably to lots of people whoever was following that meme down the hole it right. goes into like to me I'm she's like do you get it I'm like as like no and then she just like laughs for five minutes silently at me I'm like I need you to nurture my understanding of this help your elders okay so this Gen Z wonderful human who's Don's friend is gonna help us a little bit in nice. stuff in the business and I've been thinking like Okay, I wonder if she can help me figure out how to edit TikTok videos. Like, because that's my hurdle. I'm like, I can't, what do you do? Yeah, I don't want to do it on my phone. That's how old I am. Like, I went to film school. (laughs) I want to put it in iMovie or something and Uh like get really, and that's just sort of almost defeating the purpose. Because that's like, right you know, you're supposed to be able to do it kind of off the cuff and just do it. And I'm like, no, no, I want to, I want to be I perfect. <laughs> I want to, I want to bust out my DSLR camera, yes. set it up with perfect lighting, okay. have like an awesome script right. and yes, defeating the purpose. So right. hoping then- that the Gen Z energy can yeah can shift my mindset around it all because I love TikTok. I'm, I mean, I've had to limit myself to only one weekly TikTok bath. But TikTok bath. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. There was there was a time like maybe like November, I guess, when Shanti and I would both finish work and then we like talk on all the platforms, right? So we'll be like on Slack all day and then all of a sudden like we're sending each other TikToks and it's like, oh, you're in the bath too. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I think and I guess so TikTok would also be content, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, reels, TikTok, uh-huh. uh, honest to God, anything they invent <laughs> uh-huh. where you can have a conversation or build relationships with your potential customers is content marketing. I love it. I think one, my favorite thing about TikTok, which I haven't been on it for two months now, NBD. No, actually that's a big deal. I keep um, sending you TikToks. By ooh, I can't wait to get on it. Like <laughs> those are the best times when I come back on. And then I've got like, I've got two friends, Shanti and Rill. Shout out to Rill. She writes for us too. And she's brilliant. Plus she does her hair. Anyway, they both send me so many TikToks and my like algorithm is very much like in between the two of them I'll be like yeah I already saw that because my algorithm yeah. <laughs> but what I wanted to say as an elder millennial who went on TikTok I like probably went on in September or something was that I am an, just amazed by like the art that yes. 
so many human beings are creating and like, yeah, sure. You guys want to like go all in and like DSLR, iMovie, et cetera. But I just like, I feel like it's like everyone gets to be their inner drama high school nerd now, even mm-hmm. super cool people. And it feels like I know the algorithm and like who owns it and oh my goodness, but it feels like this democratization of art and entertainment that excites me to no end. Um, yes. Even though 100%. I have to keep myself away from it. Yeah. I have to ask, are either of y'all on Tumblr? I'm not. Oh, I used to be a long time ago. Okay. So you were talking about like the rabbit hole of Gen Z memes. Um, Tumblr has its own language of memes that happens that I realized people who aren't on Tumblr don't understand. Like you can't, you can't meme Tumblr outside of Tumblr because it's such an in crowd and it's such a different experience. It's really fascinating to watch, but at the same time, it's never caught on with like brands, particularly. Actually, the one exception is Denny's okay. restaurants. Interesting. Had the most Dadaist, huh. wacky, absurdist Tumblr I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it was huge. Like people ate it up, thought it was the best thing ever. So brands really have to know. The platform, I think, is what my mm. I wanted to make my. If I'm going to pull this back to a point, <laughs> like you have to understand the platform. So, like TikTok, the content you make for TikTok is going to be very different than the content you make for IG Reels, maybe even, or you know, Facebook is trying to make Reels happen. It might be very different than what you would put on Facebook. You can probably cross post, but like the the culture and the type of people who are looking at it and what's going to go viral and what's going to do well is very different for all three of those mediums. Oh, oh. And the meme that speaks to that, I think last year when that like different images of you for different platforms and you have like your your Tinder one and And your IG and your Facebook. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the same for brands. (laughs) So right. how can brands figure that? Do they just have to hire a Gen Z? Like how, how do we, how, <laughs> how do, how do we like entrepreneurs, elder millennials, even younger, like how do we figure out how to understand the assignment of the different platforms? Yes. So what I typically recommend is like, first things you have to do is ask yourself, are your people even on that platform? Like right. TikTok is a ton of fun, but are my people actually on TikTok looking for business advice? Eh, I'm not hundred percent sure. I know some people who are doing well with it, but it, it's not enough to make me go there yet. Right. So that is always my first piece of advice. Like, are your people hanging out there? For a lot of us, <laughs> elder millennials and up, Facebook is the place to be. If you're talking to younger millennials and Gen Z, they're not on Facebook, right? They're not, they might be on Instagram, maybe, but they're really on TikTok and Snapchat and other places. So it's kind of like, who are you trying to talk to and where are they? The other thing I always want to tell people is give them permission not to do it. Yeah, yeah. What I mean by that is like, you don't have to be on every channel. You don't have to adopt the new thing just because it's hot. You find the thing that works for you and double down. And that uncomplicates your marketing in a big way because 
I'm big on that, especially because I work with a lot of solopreneurs or people with small teams. Mm-hmm. Like until you have a larger team that can help support you, you cannot be creating unique content for every single channel out there. It's impossible. You'll spend your whole life doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and it's I unnecessary. Like That's a good point. Yeah. Totally. Well, for me, I've always been really slow to jump onto any of the trends in content marketing and email has just been it. Like mm-hmm. that's our main channel of communication with our audience. That's how we get the majority of our sales. I mean, Don can Don knows this. We've done launches, multiple launches where she's like, eh, maybe you should just do an Instagram story. (laughs) You can talk about stuff outside of email. And I'm like, I can't, I can't be bothered. I don't know. I just, I don't have time right? or I overthink it and Mm -hmm. I just don't get around to it. I want to get better at that, especially like this year. I think, I think I'm moving into a state of more readiness, right? But for the last few years, like we've grown to almost seven figures with very little social media presence. And yeah, we run ads, but I don't even, I don't even know necessarily. I know what's going on. Sure. I know what the copy is, but other than that, that's happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, I think too, looking at like, which platform are you going to get the most ROI from? Yeah, that's the biggie there. And also like there is a big um, advantage for email. I would also say things like a blog, a podcast, um, certain things like that. It's more like you own the channel, right? You don't own your Instagram. You don't own your Facebook. You don't own your TikTok because the algorithm could change at any moment. You could get booted. You could have your account hacked, right? Your email, you own, even if you're using whatever keep active campaign, whatever, you can take that with you and go somewhere else. Right. (laughs) So it's, it's a little bit more like, this is a really solid ground to build your platform on as Mm -hmm. opposed to, and I always feel like social media channels where we're borrowing someone else's land, so to speak, need to be secondary. Yeah. I love that. But I do think to like Shanti has started posting more stories, not during launch, just because like, I don't know. I think she said like, I used to only watch your stories. I don't even watch stories, but she started posting more stories. And like, then she's like, Dawn, I think I'm making friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh, like, and so like, I think that maybe um, I don't want to speak for you, but it feels to me, Shanti, like it's giving you a little bit more energy and making it more like easier for you to share things, which theoretically, uh, during launch time might mean that like getting into your phone and like, we're doing grow with quizzes. You should come to this thing might, might feel easier. I don't know. You tell me because I don't need yeah. to speak for you. No, you're right. It's less intimidating now. I don't know. You know, I've got this like humble pie complex mm-hmm. and I always think, oh, I'll post an Instagram story. No one will care. Like no one's going to reply to it. It's just whatever. There's so many distractions. There's so many other things to look at that are more exciting. Like I am, it's terrible, um, but work in progress and I'm getting over it because I just started from the perspective of, I'm just going to like put whatever I think my like IRL friends yeah. might be interested in. Mm-hmm. And like, I've got family that I haven't seen in forever. So maybe they'd want to see a picture of, my little baby girl, um, 
I was going to say, like, make it eating butter, but I don't post naked pictures of her. <laughs> but she does, she does constantly steal the butter. So I've uh, had a few good ones. <laughs> capturing those moments, right? And I'd actually love to talk to you about this, like the intersection between the personal and business stuff. Like, I think another thing I struggle with when it comes to social media is I don't actually feel like I have social media channels that are just personal. Uh It feels like everything is under the umbrella of my brand. And I'm like, okay, well, and then where do you draw the line between personal and here's some tips on how to write a really great quiz. Like, sure. Yeah. So there's no hard and fast answer to this. I will say that like more and more and more, we are personal brands, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, the old the old chestnut that people do business with people they know, like, and trust is a hundred percent true. So there's some point at which people are looking at your beautiful baby pictures and thinking, I really like Shanti and I want to do her quiz thing because I really like her. Right. And like, as a copywriter, I know that people like my copy for my own stuff. And then they're like, I want to work with you because I like your stuff, right? There's a bazillion copywriters out there. They're going to pick me because they know, like, and trust me, right? Mm -hmm. At some level. So what I feel like is when people are trying to figure out where is that line, um, I, I always say that like, share the stories that you want to share, share the parts of your life that you want to share and that you would feel fine sharing at a networking event or something like that. But we don't have to do this. I call it vulnerability porn. We don't have to do this like vulnerability porn. If that's not who you are, like you don't have to share the tragic backstory. You don't have to have some crazy rags to riches, Cinderella thing that you share. You don't have to share everything that's going on in your life if you don't want to, right? I know some people who are very careful about sharing their children's faces mm-hmm. on their brands. Like it's a big deal to them. And hey, more power to you. Like if that's a big deal to you, great. You don't have to share that. It's a big thing in my business. I'm never going to dictate what somebody has to do. If they say, I'm not into X, Y, Z, I'm like, cool, we'll find another way. There's always mm-hmm. more than one way to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. always more than one way to win. So figure out where that boundary is for you. What feels good? What feels appropriate? And what I've noticed is that it may change the bigger your business gets, right? Because at some point we all attract a troll. At some point we all attract people that are going to have opinions about our life choices, whatever they are, right? And so at some point, a bigger business owner, a bigger personal brand may choose to be more, what's the word I want? A little more judicious with what they share Mm. because they don't want to feed the trolls. And great, do that, right? (laughs) Like when I only have 200 people following me, I can say whatever the hell I want, right? Right. I have 2 million following me. That's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really all about being intentional. And I've started writing things where I don't even necessarily have the intention to like share it right away. Like I sent this doc to Dawn yesterday. I was like, oh, look at this. Like I wrote these a little while ago. I'm not going to like rush to even uh-huh. post them because I want to sit with it. And even like move through certain cycles, certain like physiological cycles. Like, Mm -hmm. am I sharing this right now? Because I'm really pissed off at the state of the world and I want to rip someone's head off and I just want to vent. 
And is that going to be detrimental or have consequences that I can't in this moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like not drunk texting, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Save on that and see if you feel like you want to send it in the morning. No, I, I completely agree. I think too that um, another place this shows up for a lot of my clients is when they have certain thought leadership ideas, pieces mm-hmm. that they want to, and they're like, this doesn't really fit with my brand, or it's just tangentially related, but I feel really strongly about it. And so then we have to kind of have a conversation about like, does this fit under the umbrella of my brand or does it need to live somewhere else? And I've had clients make the decision both ways. It just sort of depends where you feel there's no right or wrong necessarily. But one of my good friends, Meg Casebolt, um, she's our SEO partner and she feels really strongly about women in business and different things like that. And so she actually wants to have a completely separate, like secondary brand about women in business that won't actually be a part of her SEO brand. Mm. And so, you know, I thought they could go together really well and she decided they were separate and it's like, both answers are correct. You just pick Mm. the one that works for you. Yeah. And probably sometimes like if you like, if it was all under the auspices of one brand, she might really like want to be really passionate about women in business and then feel like she needs to like hashtag SEO or like pull, <laughs> right? it, pull it back to that. Right. Totally. And mm-hmm. so that probably like gives permission to like let something become what it is. I think one thing we do on social media is discover who we are and and maybe a little bit less now than like, I don't know when you got on Facebook, but I went on it for the first time in 2006. And just as we were chatting, I remembered how back in the day, like I would ask my friend to go for like, uh, I'm just going to say it like a hungover eggs Benedict, like on her wall. And then she would respond on the wall and like all of our (laughs) friends could see that. And like, now I can't imagine having doing that, but I do think like the way that I show up on Instagram or yeah, it's just a little bit of, it's like a place for you to put the words, the ideas, the memes, whatever, and like, see if they like actually do suit who you are. And like, yes. if it does like evolve into something and it becomes a conversation and then you could delete it if you want. And I've deleted mm-hmm. my accounts entirely a number of times. So <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I actually talk about the idea of having a show your work channel. So choosing uh-huh. one of your social media channels as a place to test ideas uh-huh. and um, really be learning out loud or or testing certain things out loud and seeing what happens. And then the reason this works for people that they like this idea is because some of our channels feel like they need to be more polished, right? The, like the Instagram grid has become this thing that feels like it needs to be more polished, but stories are much more off the cuff. So, you know, I can encourage people, like if you have an idea that you just want to kind of test the waters, do it in stories instead of making a post. Or it could be they do that on Twitter, but not on Instagram, or they do that, right? Different places and giving yourself that permission to have a place that's like your rough drafts Mm. (laughs) can be very helpful. But then you're also getting that feedback on what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Kind of leads me into something that you were that you wrote about on the intake form, which was like 
like content in between launches, before launches, afterwards. And I think that's so interesting and important. And I get kind of annoyed by brands that like are only coming at me on social channels when they have something to sell. So I love to just hear your philosophy behind that and any like maybe tips for our audience that you feel comfortable sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just asked some big questions so we (laughs) can tease them out. You can ramble a little and we'll see what comes out. (laughs) No, I'm a big proponent. So what I've seen a lot is what you're talking about where people put all kinds of effort into their launch, right? So they'll have very curated stories or very curated posts on whatever channel during a launch. And it's like, oh, I'm going to lead you down this little path to a, to sale. And then they go like radio silence in between, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what I see with my clients is they can understand why, well, this launch, I did the exact same thing last time and it worked really well. And this time it's not. And I'm like, how many new people did you add to your audience between? What? Right. And so if they're not, if you're not doing any kind of content or lead building in between launches, you're, you're preaching to the same choir when you launch the same thing. So just about every business model I know of needs to be adding new people to the audience on a regular basis. And that's what nurture content can help you do. Like it can add people to your audience. It can nurture them. Obviously it's in the name, but like warm them up to you, get the, get them to understand who you are and what you do and why they should care. It can overcome objections before they ever know they have them right. Mm. Paint you as an expert, do all kinds of things when you're not actually selling so that then when you do go to sell, they're like, take my money. I'm ready Mm -hmm. because you've already done the priming over weeks and months, not necessarily in your like one week pre-launch content period. Right. Um, and the other part about it that's so great is it takes a lot of pressure off your launch content. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're doing seasonal launches or quarterly launches or whatever it is, there's a lot of pressure on everything you create during the launch to convert. It has to work. It has to work because that is your money maker, right? But when you are consistently providing great content, consistently growing your list, consistently nurturing people, it takes a lot of the pressure off because then that content doesn't have to do quite as much heavy lifting. It's just pushing people over the edge to say yes to buy now. It doesn't have to do all that other work at once, right? So being really consistent about having those conversations and building those relationships between launches will actually make your launches easier, better, more effective, more profitable, and you won't want to kill yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I love I love that. And I wonder about people who like are mostly just on social media to like grow their business, to mm-hmm. sell and like energetically, like if you have any like tips or ways to like they can nurture themselves so they yes. can put nurture posts out. Cause I think it can be like for someone like Shanti who really doesn't love it. Yeah. Um, I imagine like it's hard, right? Like we use our emails. <laughs> we like, yeah. but but what yeah, what yeah, if you have anything to share to help with that, that's yeah. Really- so this is a perfect segue to my power platform. Oh, that's what this is for. That's what a power uh-huh. platform is for. So the idea is that you have one place that you are most comfortable mm. creating content and sharing. That's your power platform. For, so mm-hmm. for you, it's email, right? And then from there, that's where you put your thought leadership. That's where you put all your energy. That's where you do your biggest heavy lifting in terms of content. But from there, 
what I would recommend if you don't have the energy to like sprinkle it out over all the other channels, you hire a team member who -hmm. can help chop that up and repurpose across all the channels, right? Because those are all just supporting channels at that point. So if your power platform is email, what you, you write the email and then maybe there's a VA who's who's got a little bit of talent in writing and editing. They can yeah. go through that email and pull out chunks. Those become the captions for Instagram or for stories or for Facebook or wherever. You have maybe a graphic designer on your team or somebody or just a you know, folder full of pictures they can pull from and it gets scheduled. And all of the calls to action on that are like, Hey, if you like this, we do this all the time in our email, come sign up. Right. Love it. So all roads are leading to Rome in terms of they're all sending people back to their power platform. And so, you know, when you take my power platform assessment, it helps you figure out what is that for you? Where do you mm-hmm. most like to create content and then give suggestions for what those supporting pieces can be. Cool. That's so helpful. That's so the power platform. It's like a, it's like a quiz, right? Yeah. It's um, an assessment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we will definitely. I want to go into in my there. email and see what my result was because I'm building yeah. but then I didn't check. Yeah. Um, but it's probably email. I also and feel, I have podcast. to say, I feel a little weird that y'all are going to go take my, you two are going to go take my quiz because now I'm like, <laughs> my quiz ladies are going to go take my quiz. And oh, it's not- I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> no, I, have, I think it's, it's great. It's really like, good. Thank you. Yeah. Like the, the experience, the questions, I don't know about the result yet, but I think that's probably on point <laughs> knowing your other work. So, and, and it's a really great idea because thank you. I think people are overwhelmed, like yes. especially right. newer business owners where they don't have the capital to be investing in, in ads and growing right. their audience that way. And so it feels like organic growth can be so slow and mm-hmm. you get this sense that you need to be in all the places. And there's this, there's this FOMO that comes yes. with that. So yeah, consistency though, to, in my mind and in my experience has always been a winning strategy. Yeah. Right. And the more you can automate that or outsource the consistency piece, the mm-hmm. easier it is, right? So whatever is the bottleneck for you in consistency, there's a way to get support for that, mm-hmm. right? And and that is often what I see people needing to do. You know, you mentioned newer business owners not having the capacity or like the, the capital to invest in ads or whatever. What I also see is that more advanced business owners get to a point where they're like, oh, well, we're at this level. So we have to be on everything, but Mm. nobody's talking to any, right? Like, so the Facebook is not talking to the Instagram is not doing the same thing as the email is not right. And so it's much, it's much better to have a cohesive message and understanding how everything trickles down. Um, And they might need the power platform just as much as somebody who's brand new and doesn't know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. True that. We're going to link that in the show notes just so everyone can can get clear on what their power platform is. Super random idea I had last night that speaks directly to what you just said. I haven't even told this to Don yet and she might think it's a terrible idea, Uh but okay. (laughs) Okay. We create these quizzes that are like, just so in depth. The results often we're delivering like 150 page Google doc. We've got like 5,000 word results. They're just going super deep. And 
we call that experience of moving someone from a stranger to a sale or a customer, mm-hmm. moving them through the belief bridge. So speaking to existing beliefs, working to shift certain beliefs that aren't serving them, like all of that in every industry. And that's what we're doing in our quizzes. And these are massive pieces of content. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if we, as just like a little bonus or something we had in certain packages, uh-huh. we gave them like a hundred repurposed pieces of content from the quiz. I love it. So genius. Yeah. People would be okay. smart to pay Thank extra you. for that for sure. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I, even for myself, cause I'm like, I never repurpose stuff. Well, and right? quizzes are so interesting too, because like, can you make it viral so that people want to share their results or what's the next step after somebody has taken a quiz? And a lot of times it's nurture emails or something like that. But I had a client for a while. She's a wonderful person, Tanya Geisler. She works with Mm. people on the imposter syndrome. She's so cool. Yeah. And she's so cool. And she has this great quiz. That's like, what's Mm -hmm. your like default behavior of the imposter syndrome? And it's a really great, insightful quiz. And she kept being like, why does nobody share it when they take my quiz? I'm like, because oh. it's kind of negative. Like you get in it and it's yeah. like, you're a people pleaser. Or you're, yeah, totally. like, you might take it and be like, yes, I 100% am. But you're not going to share that on your Facebook, right? Absolutely. And so yeah. we were trying to think of at one point, like, how can we spin this? <laughs> so well, I t- a little more positive or funny or something. I took a screenshot, a screenshot. Oh, I, I can't find it. But there is a spin because she talks about like if you're a people pleaser maybe you're a really great host yes so that was a new thing she had come up with and so Uh we were like maybe we can spin the answers so that people are like oh I'm a host you know well (laughs) you let her know if she wants any help with that because I I bet we would love to do that because she just yeah I found I just discovered her recently and my mind was blown she's by and like how many times have I written about imposter syndrome in a quiz? You don't even want to know how many oh, yeah. times I have. Right. And then <laughs> to like, to listen in on a talk and be like, what? Like you just blew my mind with yeah. your brilliance. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. She, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. Maybe we can get her on here too. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Great. That's a great point. And we always, with our clients are like, okay, if we can position this in a positive light, yeah. Even if it's speaking directly to something someone is struggling with, mm-hmm. then the likelihood of someone being willing to share that mm-hmm. is so much higher. Yeah. 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 I love the idea of creating repurposed content from your quiz, you know, from your package. I think a lot of people struggle with repurposing and a lot of us as business owners have a huge catalog of content mm-hmm and thought leadership that we could pull from, but we don't have the systems in place to do so. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's something I like helping people with because like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we've said yeah. a lot of really cool things. Your podcast here, for example, there's probably dozens of quotes that could be pulled out from each episode and, and shared yeah. over a year or more, you know, if you have the system in place to do so. Otherwise, it's a huge time suck and, and really hard. But if you develop a system and have somebody to help you and whatever it is, it becomes just magical. It just happens. And, and then you've got this great content that continues to drive traffic to whatever piece of thought leadership you've produced. 
Mm -hmm. Even the podcast, that's a great point because there are so many little chunks of our conversation even could have like a five minute clip on, on memetics and marketing. Mm -hmm. But we get so busy with the go, go, go that we don't stop and, and look at what we've already created. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's about, this is something I do with people in uh, VIP days. It's about really developing the system because it's not going to happen just by itself, right? We have Mm -hmm. to intentionally set up the system and the guardrails for whatever person we're going to bring in to help us out, right? This is not a task that the CEO should be doing in most cases. Mm -hmm. So we have to set up the guardrails for the person who will be doing it so that we can outsource effectively right? Um, Without all the agony, because what tends to happen is somebody brings in an inexpensive VA and they say, Hey, I want you to grab quotes from my Mm -hmm. podcast. And they're like, okay. And then they grab quotes and you're like, no, no, that's not what I wanted, but you don't have the language and you don't have the, the guardrails to help them understand what you want it. And so that's something I actually do with people is like, let's set this up as a system so that your team can be more autonomous and do this for you. I love it. I'm booking us in for a VIP day with you for that, like ASAP, because that's something that we're working towards right now. I love it. And to have some more like structure around the how and the why of it, because we have an amazing graphics designer. We have amazing writing team, but like, Mm -hmm. I love the word guardrails. I might Mm -hmm. steal that and use it in many different ways. Like do. I have uh, stolen it from the run like clockwork people. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Adrian Dorison over at run like clockwork talks about actually writing documents that are your guardrails that help people understand different processes in your business. I love it. That's so much more fun than SOP. And it also like, (laughs) and it gives more of like a nuanced understanding of what we're actually looking for. Well, I have a gardening, I have a gardening reference. Well, as we should. Yeah. Container, which Uh I know we laugh at the word container, like Uh sacred container, but container gardening can be very, very efficient and Mm -hmm. allow you to keep your soil intact and, and limit erosion and just keep building it and keeps all the shit at bay. Like all the, (laughs) all the weeds out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's cool about talking about a container or a guardrail instead of an SOP is that it means it can be anything. My favorite example of this from Adrian's program is she was talking about a guy who wanted his team to make reservations for business lunches with clients and guardrail he put in place is it they should not the restaurant you choose should not use paper napkins yes i love it yeah right and that's really broad but it helped them understand what type of place he wanted to go you know he wanted a certain experience Mm -hmm. that doesn't fit into an sop exactly right yeah (laughs) with content like there's three things you really have to have to outsource marketing tasks well. And so the first one is a brand voice style guide. So you've got to have that brand document. And and in fact, like if you're working with a graphic designer, obviously like the fonts and the logos and stuff too, but normally I'm talking about content. So brand voice style guide to tell them what's allowed and what's not in the voice. Um, You got to have that workflow, SOP, whatever we're going to call it, guardrails document that tells people exactly what should happen at each step. And you got to have a calendar or a system of some sort so that everybody's on the same page and know what's happening at each stage of the game 
so that everybody, nobody's surprised, right? Like, Mm. oh, you're producing a podcast. Great. That means that next week I need to get the transcript. I need to pull out 15 Facebook posts. I need to make four four audio quotes. I need to, right. They know exactly Mm. what's happening and what the due dates are. So those are the three pieces we put together in a VIP day, because then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I have the system to make this work. I just want to like, bring you into our team and just have you tell us what to do. <laughs> I feel I like we, we've got one in three and I feel like number two we're working towards in lots of ways, but it's so good yeah. to have someone who really like specializes and like is passionate and gets like energy from that. Um, I do. I'm super nerdy and weird like that. Yeah. I mean, you're a four <laughs> IN FP, right? No P. INFJ. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a rare skill set for sure. A few episodes back, we spoke with um, Sandra Booker and we talked about systems and and processes and all of that. But we also went into having a clear mission and vision and values. Mm. And I mean, I'm like a little embarrassed that we're eight years eight probably. Your entire adulthood part is still like a bit of a mess, to be honest, which I think that would probably live under the umbrella of your brand voice mm, guide, yeah, but knowing how to influence that it. to your team and anyone yeah. that's helping with marketing and content. I feel like that's so critical too. Right. Mm. People are always surprised at some of the questions I ask when we're doing brand voice work. Like one of the biggies is how do you want any interaction with your brand to make your audience feel? Yeah. Yeah. And they've never considered that, right? They're mm. just like, oh, I have to have a call to action and I need to do this and I need to make a reel and I need to, right? But they haven't mm. actually considered like, how do you want this to make people mm. feel? <laughs> And I think like, probably like people are like intuitively, they have an idea of that. And when you're doing it on your own, it's fine. But when you get to the place where you're bringing on help and you want to like scale a little bit can be way harder to get that across if you haven't delineated it. Like, yeah, I think Shanti's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we don't have that figured out. It's like, well, you have it figured out. It's just like, right. You feel it, yeah, but you haven't figured out how to articulate it. Yeah, exactly. Um, This is exciting. I never, I haven't been excited about content before. So thank you. (laughs) I feel like I'm learning a lot. Okay. I want to ask a question that's going to help our listeners who are like, they don't have a team. They're Mm -hmm. just starting out and trying to get traction. They're creating content, but they're not sure if it's like, sticky or resonating. They're not sure where to post it. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to those people? Yes. Okay. So first piece of advice is actually stop trying to get it right. Cause there is no right necessarily. Right. I would encourage you to play. I would encourage you to experiment. I would encourage you to think outside the box. And here's why right now, all of our content channels, no matter where you decide to be, they are overloaded there. We are, we have reached peak content and gone beyond, right? There's no way anybody could ever keep up with all the content being produced in any single tiny, tiny niche. Like it's impossible. So you have to like, really the goal is to stand out, right? It's to disrupt the scroll, get people Mm -hmm. to stop scrolling for a second and look at you, make people go, huh, 
hadn't thought of that. Right. So, and the only way to do that is to play, is to experiment, is to try to see what really resonates with your people. If you're continually following somebody else's blueprint or formula, or you buy a bunch of templates and want to fill them out, those can be great places to start. I'm not knocking it, but you need to make it your own in order to stand out and really. So that would be the first thing. And the second thing I would say is get intimately familiar with your customer journey. Like what are they actually thinking about at the different stages of awareness, right? And what I think a lot of newbie marketers or people who just aren't marketers (laughs) don't understand is that like different channels are reaching people at different stages of awareness. So like if we take y'all as an example, um, your social media is more likely to be reaching people who are only maybe a little bit familiar with you. Whereas your email is like your inner circle. Mm-hmm. This is true of everybody, right? You're, if, they, if they've said yes to giving you their email, that's probably your most inner circle. Then we have social media who've said yes to following you. And then we have people who might see that their friend interact, like they're completely unaware. They, they don't know you yet. And so the types of content that you're going to, the messages you're going to share at those different levels are going to be slightly different because those people are ready for different things. Mm. So you kind of have to imagine where are they at in their customer journey? Who am I trying to attract at which stage, right? If I want to create, if I want to attract new people, I need to create a different kind of content for that unaware person who's never heard of me than I do for my inner circle. And so kind of keeping that in mind for your different channels will be very helpful in like, what do I actually need to create here? You know, those things that are going to grab people's attention that are new, that have never heard of you before is going to be very different from what you say to convince the person who's been following you for a long time to finally say yes to working with you. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very, very different. So kind of feeling into that and playing with that a little bit on your channels can be very helpful too. Mm, that is so, that's so awesome. I feel like, um, <laughs> I want you to have a freebie, uh, that's like, Oh, channel yes, I do. an awareness stage. Do you have that yes, freebie? Okay. Yes. Well, send us the I'll link give you the for link. that too, oh, because I feel like, sure, maybe it's your lead magnet, but I just think it would be so useful for people even further along in business, just to give some like framing yeah. around what to post on which channel in order to actually like get people at the right stage of awareness. I was thinking about what makes me stop my scroll and it's just like knitting reels. I just like, I, and embroidery, I go like deep and that's what, and also like Korean street food. It's like, actually my Instagram is like knitting, embroidery, Korean street food. I'm like, this is a really good point though. Somebody, I was talking to somebody recently and he was saying, um, he was talking about the need to have control over your own content. So like what I was saying earlier about how you control your email list a little differently, you also control the attention a little differently in certain channels. So email, a blog, a podcast, you're not competing as much as you are on social media. And what he said was like, 
if there's a cat video above me in like Instagram feed, I'm going to lose. Like they're going to watch the cat video. Right. Yeah. And, and I thought it was such a funny thing because it's a hundred percent true. I have like my dopamine hit of the day is the Facebook algorithm has figured out that I want to watch videos about animals being rescued. And, and, oh, nice. so, yeah. and so like, that's my crazy, I will watch that anytime that shows up, you know, some <laughs> kitten in a drain and they get rescued and then they're a happy cat. Like, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Something you said uh, made me think of the internal experience that someone might be having really at any stage Mm -hmm. of business in that feeling of, oh, I need to stand out. I need to put something out there that's going to command attention. Oh, good point. I think that necessitates a real reckoning with so many things on a, on a mindset level. Mm -hmm. And like that for me, that even scares me. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't and there's attention. a perfectionist like, tendency that shows up. That's like, I'm not going to do anything unless I'm pretty sure it's going to be that thing. That's going to stand yeah. out and make me go viral. Yeah. Or unless I'm pretty lot. sure that I'm right. Or I'm pretty ready or ready. absolutely. So I think like taking the pressure off, taking ourselves less seriously. Mm-hmm. And what's been really powerful for me is this emphasis on who matters in my own life. Like whose approval do I actually care about? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. whose approval do I don't, I don't really care that much. Like also someone's only going to receive what they're ready to receive uh-huh. and that's okay too. And there's lots of forces outside of our control, but for me, I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, there's really like a handful of people that I'm like, I really do deeply care about their approval uh-huh. and is posting this controversial opinion going to influence their approval? Like, no. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm no. a big, I don't believe in controversy for controversy's sake or even for engagement's sake. I remember back in the day, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but I took this course on content and the guru was recommending that you, that you like stir the pot and like pick, say things that were crazy because he's like, any engagement is good engagement. And I was like, that makes me so uncomfortable. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a lot to say about this. So I kind of have to like, what's my thoughts? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fascinating topic. Like, like I'm going to post something today that I feel is like a little controversial, but also like close to my heart. Mm-hmm. And then I feel it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. So there's this sort of, but definitely like a internal process of, yeah, would I be posting this just for controversy's sake? Like, no, I'm going to check that box off. Mm-hmm. I've seen people teach that too. Like, yeah. Or yeah, like the more polarizing, the better, the more divisive, the better. And it's like, we see now the repercussions of that. Yeah, totally. Well, and I do very much believe that like your people will self-select no matter Mm. what you post. Like you can say the most white bread thing you could possibly imagine and people will get, can find a way to get offended by it. So (laughs) like your people will self-select to some extent. And there is a point in your business where you, you kind of have to figure out like, oh, that's actually good. You know, them unsubscribing from me, them not following me, whatever that is, that's good. Cause they were never going to work with me mm-hmm. yeah. in the first place. Right. Yeah. I would much rather have a thousand true fans than 10,000 people who are just vaguely in my sphere, you know? So, yeah. but what you're saying about like 
that pressure to, oh, I have to stand out. Oh, I'm going to be visible. It's really interesting to me because there's different levels of standing out, if that makes sense. I don't have a good metaphor for this yet, but (laughs) I don't have to stand out globally. Mm. I don't have to compete with Oprah. I don't have to go viral. I don't need the the swipe up on IG to get 10,000 followers, right? I actually just have to stop the scroll for the people that are interested in what I have to say. And it's a, it's a much, much smaller space. Actually, did you, do you guys, either of you know Tara McMullen? She, she used to talk about the living room strategy. And she was like, when you, when you're at a certain level of business, you actually don't need to fill a stadium. Mm. You just need to fill a living room with people Mm. that are interested in what, and, you know, because of the way my offers are structured, I only need to fill a living room. I don't need, I don't need to fill Texas stadium, you know? So that's actually very liberating for me. Like as long as I can stand out amongst the people I need to reach, Mm -hmm. that's all I have to do. I don't have to go viral on TikTok to do that. Right. Might be fun. But also the other thing I I know from, for a fact is that when you go viral, it very rarely translates to more sales Mm. because viral content does not always incite the second click. Right. Yes. Yes. So true. And we, we see that with our clients, like we'll have clients that have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media, but behind the scenes, they're struggling with revenue. Mm-hmm. and um, and converting those followers into sales. And then totally. there's, I yeah. love using Mer- Meryl as an example because she, she, and I know you're, um, you work with her. She's mm-hmm. got like, I don't know, 10 likes on an Instagram post that is t- pure brilliance. Right. Yeah. And this woman is doing like $250,000 a month. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's not necessarily uh, followers equal money Mm-hmm. thing going on or impact, right? I think that's true. And she said, Meryl, you reminded me of this just now. She's talking about something recently. And I think it's very, very true. She was saying that she has an invisible audience mm. that's never going to interact with Instagram. And I, I feel like this is true of, of me as well, especially with the bigger businesses that are going to hire us. They're never going like, to comment on my Facebook list. They're just not, that's not who these yeah. people are. And so it's not a metric we can track. Yeah. And yet we can create content for those people. If uh-huh. we are convinced that they exist, if we know they're out there, if we know they're real, we can start creating content for those people. But it's this weird no man's land of like, I can't tell the ROI of this post because nobody's going to click on it. Right. I actually think that's yeah. going to be a thing. Like if I were a trend predictor, for certain types of businesses moving forward is these sort of invisible audiences that I do convert, that. but yeah. you, can, you can't, there's no metric you can track. You know? oh, yes. I love that. Yeah. That's me for the most part. I just, I'm just a lurker mm-hmm. in terms of content consumption style. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird, but then that doesn't influence my decision to ultimately buy or not. Right. But you know, if there's a, a client who's a great fit for you to work with one-on-one, you know, they're going to check out your Instagram and they're not going to be liking and commenting on stuff, but they're certainly going to look. I was talking about this recently on a workshop I did. Somebody asked a question during the Q and A and she said, you know, I, I work so hard on my blog, but I don't think it's actually bringing me customers. 
And I said, you know what? I am a blogger. I have had a blog for nine plus years at this point. It does not, it's not a lead generator for me. That's Mm -hmm. actually not its job. When people are referred to me, they go check out my website and they read my blogs and that is its job. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, you kind of have to ask yourself, what is this particular channel or this piece of content's job in the Mm -hmm. overall? And a lot of times people are assigning the wrong job. They think social media is a discovery channel. It's not anymore. People are not necessarily finding new content to follow very Mm -hmm. often on social Mm -hmm. media, right? People think a blog is supposed to be a lead generator. Well, it depends on your business. It can be, but sometimes that's not its job, you know? So you kind of have to ask yourself, really look at it. Like, what is this channel or this piece of content's Mm -hmm. actual job in my business, (laughs) I love that. And it brings me to something that's come up a number of times for me on our podcast. And it's like, and especially this invisible audience idea too, which is like, what is the actual ROI of what you're putting out there of all, all sorts of different things, but of content and this idea of like the immeasurability of it is so interesting to me because it feels like uh, with digital marketing, we're always trying to quantify and optimize. Right. And so for me, there's two things that I have just keep coming up as you're speaking and you've said it, maybe you said liberated once, but when you were talking about having fun with it and that brought up, like that's liberating, it doesn't have to be right. That's liberating. And then this, like this hidden ROI that you don't even know about this, like connection piece. And someone might like the post or they might not, but they might've scrolled down, you know, two years ago and seen something that like, was just like a seed that you planted that might actually really be moving them towards working with you. And especially for like higher ticket offers, I think you're right. Like your blog, like if some, if you're going to, I don't know what you charge, but like, let's say you're going to like charge 10 K for something. You better have content out there in the world that makes that, that lead that you don't even know exists because they're probably referred or, or what have you, but makes them be like, uh, like solid grounded and comfortable in, um, hiring you for, for, for whatever your expertise is. But also before I stop rambling, I just want to say like the ROI of having your power platform figured out to me feels like just being able to generate energy to keep moving forward with your business and connect with people in a way that feels genuine. And, uh, and again, like giving you energy instead of like draining you and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe I need to like interact with these comments on my Insta post or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. I used to, I used to worry a lot about the fact that I couldn't say I didn't, I don't have one of those services where I can say to you, when you work with us, we can three X your results to do X, Y, Z. Like I have a ton of testimonials, people who've gotten great results, but I, I always felt weird because like, I can't promise you this because that was a very unique situation. Right. Right. But as I get older (laughs) and as I get more into this, I'm like, you know what? The ROI we provide is actually very different. Are the blog posts we write for you going to increase your traffic and probably bring you more sales? Probably we do a good Mm -hmm. job at that, 
but the ROI on the other side, like how much time am I going to free up for you? Mm. How much mental space are you going to like have back when you don't have to do this every week? How much time are you going to regain for visioning as the CEO, right? Like there's so many intangibles that we offer through our service. And I think this is true also, like what you're talking about with content, like there's so many intangibles, you know, unless you have the type of business where somebody comes to your website, can read a thing and can press a buy now button. Yeah. It's very, very hard to track ROI on content of any type on any Mm -hmm. channel, right? It's very hard to track, but if you can say that the whole ecosystem of your content is supporting people because you know, when people show up, on a sales call or whatever, this is especially true, I think for higher ticket offers, but you know, if they show up and they're like, you've been on my vision board for three years, Uh um, you know, that kind of thing, then, you know, you're doing something right. Like I've had that happen twice where people came on a a call and were like, I've had you on my vision board. Uh, And it's like the most amazing compliment uh, I've ever had. But it also tells me that like my sales cycle is super long. uh Uh-huh. People are not going to read a Facebook post or a blog post or even an email and say, yeah, buy now, right? (laughs) Because it's just not how my business works. But they might read my book and put me on their vision board or I'm in the back of their mind for three years until they're ready to work with me. Mm, We should link the book too, because I know that I'm going to, I just got a Kindle. I'm going to throw that on there. Oh yeah. But I want to read it because I wonder if it'll work on my Kobo. If it doesn't email me, I've got a... (laughs) I've got a format for it for sure. I always pick myself for getting a Kobo (laughs) (laughs) next year. I love this idea of like maybe an ROI of your content could be that understanding that your buying cycle is really long. Like that, like even like, yeah, I just, I I just really want to have a more nuanced discussion in general about return on investment, because I think that uh, it's not all just like, like you said, like it's not all just like e-commerce by now or, or what have you. And the things that we can learn from content and the relationships that we can create and the relationships that you don't even know are happening because people are just like inspired by you going out in your life. And like, when you said you have people coming to you who are like, you've like been on my vision board for years. I got like tingly. I can just like imagine being both the person in that sales call. Like, wow, I'm finally in a place where I can hire Lacey. And then you being there and being like, whoa, like I'm a content marketer and my content, my personal content has created this this like bond with a human being that I didn't even know it was happening, but was happening the whole time. So yeah. really cool. I, Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I'm excited about content for the first time ever. <laughs> then my job here is done. That's my ROI <laughs> for the day. I got you excited about content. Well, that, yeah, that does feel really magical. And you just, you just never know who you are affecting with mm-hmm. what you put out into the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really important too, to like acknowledge that for yourself. Like I would encourage people listening to this. If you think you fall into that category where you're not going to see like, oh, they liked my post and then they got on a sales call and then they, right. Try to track those things for yourself. It's not going to be something you can put in a spreadsheet, but have a folder 
Mm. Have a, a sticky note where you make a little mark every time somebody says, I love this, you know, whatever it is, because we do kind of need that feedback loop to say, because otherwise it just feels like you're screaming into the wind and is anybody yeah. paying attention? I remember, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I wish I could remember who it was, but I was talking to somebody once and she was talking about writing Instagram captions, I think. And she told me that her metric, she used that word, her metric for these Instagram posts was to have at least one person in the comment, put a pointing up finger emoji and say this, Point. And if, if at least one person did that, she knew it had landed. And I was like, that's such a great mm-hmm. metric to look for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I want to ask you one more question before mm-hmm. we let you go. I feel like we could talk to you all day yeah. long. Mm-hmm. This has been a really great conversation. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I want to ask her where she lives, but I shouldn't do that on the podcast because she probably doesn't want to say, but how far is it? And can we have her over for dinner? Maybe besties. <laughs> yeah. Can we please? Every time Shanti brings in one of her, like her biz besties, I'm like, oh, I love you. So yeah, I'll, I'll let you ask your I'm question honored. now. Thank but, you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And hopefully we can have you over for dinner soon. So good. Okay. Well, I'm wondering, you mentioned social media is becoming less and less of a discovery channel, which I agree. And I think that's, that's part of what people are struggling with right now, especially organically. So what are your thoughts around what are the current discovery channels? Yeah. Great question. And it's a big part when you take the power platform assessment, that's a big part of what your results will spit out because I'm going to ask you, like, are you doing these things? Um, So discovery channels has to be like the criteria here is that people who don't know you before now are finding you. Right. And so Mm -hmm. generally just posting on social media is not a discovery channel just because of the way the algorithms work. Um, So Some discovery channels could be advertising, obviously, Mm because you're going to reach a cold audience that way. You can do partnerships with other people, other people's audiences. That's a great way to do it if you don't have the capital to invest in advertising. Um, Find a partner and and come up with a strategy to get like what I'm doing here right now. This is partner marketing, right? Right. I'm getting in front of your your audience who don't know me and hopefully they will want to follow me. So the second part of that is like interviews, PR, that kind of thing. And there are other like internal strategies you can do. So if you have a really strong hashtag game on social media, that can be a discovery strategy in some places, you know, so those kind SEO for blogs is a discovery channel. So depending on what your power platform is, there are different discovery channels. If your power platform is a podcast, for example, uh, SEO in the descriptions, like to make sure you're getting in front of people who are searching for things Uh and also like what's your, how are you going to ask me to promote this? Right. That's another way discovery channel, like your guests promoting it to their audience is a partnership discovery channel. So they do exist, uh, Mm -hmm. but they're not. So Dawn, you were asking like, when do we get on Facebook? Like I am old in internet years. Internet years are like dog years, right? It's Uh like seven years for everyone. But I, I do remember when social media was a discovery channel. You could, or even blogs, like I'm that old. I can't remember when people would just stumble on your blog magically and you could find new people, but you have to make sure your, your tactics are matched up with what's actually working today. So unless you are, for example, really playing that hashtag game or doing some serious SEO, that's blogs and social media are not necessarily discovery channels anymore. Mm. 
I just get found for the weirdest stuff. Oh my God. I just did it. I just did an SEO report and I rank number seven, Hmm. humble brag for the phrase. I throw my hands up in the air sometimes. What? Sometimes I throw my hands up in the air. Probably you'd be like million or something. Like the the lyrics for that song. I just used it as a blog title and my blog comes up. I love it. For nothing. Wow. Wow. That's so funny. Yeah. I rank for spiritual copywriter, or at least I used to. Nice. It's funny because the article that made me rank for that is me kind of like, I wouldn't say like outright dissing the company (laughs) I used to work for, but like like picking apart what was not working. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. We had a client who had actually been hacked, but they were right because of that, they were ranking for werewolf resurrections or something like that. Like it was it was wild. Sounds like a novel Shanti would buy me for Christmas. (laughs) Oh yeah, Um, absolutely. Like love love affairs with werewolves. Yeah. I'm so in send it to me. (laughs) Um, I know we said that was the last question, but I have one more question for for you. What's what's your power platform? Ah, really great question. So my power platform is probably email uh-huh. and blogging. So long form written content is going to be yeah. my platform. Um, and what's interesting about that is like I said, I'm not necessarily going to see conversions from my blog posts, but they actually really do contribute to my expertise. I get linked to a lot. People really like them. Um, so that's my power platform, but then I'm going to chop that up right. and reshare it across many different, many different platforms. Amazing. So if people were going to go looking for you, where would they, I guess they can sign up for your email by grabbing your freebies that we're going to link to because they are so useful, but where else would you like us to send people? Yeah. I mean, laceybox.com is the hub. That's where the blog is. There's nine years of blog posts there. I mean, you know, dig in. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook um, pretty regularly as well. I just want to say that your blog is so cool. I love the branding and the typewriter font and like, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that maybe ever, but yeah, I was on there and I was like, oh, I love her website. Like I can't wait, yeah. can't wait yeah. to meet her. It's so cool. So I remember crushing on your website so hard, like years ago. Yeah. Yes. Cause it's old. <laughs> well, it's, it's still working. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yay. Well, I hope that you can come over for dinner soon. Yes, I'm um, in. <laughs> okay, great. I'll, I'll pick the wine and Shanti can cook for us. There um, you go. Sounds good. I'm yeah, in. Let's, thanks, I'll bring dessert. <laughs> yeah, okay. Perfect. This is going to be amazing. Potluck is happening. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, I can't wait to share this with the world. So just, uh, I have energy for social media right now. And that is impressive. So thank you. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Whoa, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. 
And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shantyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.